Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Mia Ferrer. How are you, Mia? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for being here. I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, Mia has a really cool title. I love her title. See, <laughs> she is uh, Associate Program Manager at Salesforce AI Research. And some of you have probably heard those two letters mentioned over the last couple of years. Um, I think as far as the two letters on earth that have been uttered the most, together, those are probably the two, wouldn't you say, Mia? Yes, 100%, especially <laughs> last year. So. Yeah, right. And I'm sure you get it. Like whenever you, when it, you, you probably like, you, you probably don't actually say Salesforce AI research just so you don't have to explain AI because everybody probably wants you to explain AI to them then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You're careful. Very- <laughs> yeah, you're careful in your company who you say that to, right? Um, well, Mia is a 2018 graduate of our program, and and like I said, I'm very excited to to talk to you today, and and we'll get to to what you're doing with Salesforce. We we have a number of graduates um, of our graduates working for Salesforce, and um, Mia is I think Mia is the first one that I've talked to with Salesforce, so this is exciting as well with Salesforce being such an amazing California and global company. Um, So we'll get there eventually, but let's go back in time, Mia, and get to know you a little bit better. Tell us where you you grew up. Yeah. So um, I actually moved around a lot as a kid. So I lived in like on the East Coast for a little while in Virginia and a couple of different places. And Mm -hmm. then we ended up moving to San Diego. I think I was in like third or fourth grade. Um, and that's, we just Where ended in Virginia? up. Virginia? Were you in like we, Northern Virginia? Yeah, like Chesapeake for a couple of years. And oh. then also um, we lived in Annandale, which is like right outside of Washington, D.C. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So we lived there um, when I was a little bit younger, but then mm-hmm. we moved to San Diego when I was in elementary school and we kind of just settled there. So yeah. I have two brothers. Um, I'm the only girl, so I'm in the middle and it was just a lot of oh. fun growing up oh. in Southern California. <laughs> That's awesome. That yeah. is awesome. I can think of uh, I can think of worse places in the world to land than San Diego, California. 100%. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. And when when you when you were in Chesapeake, you know, um, as far as um you were pretty close to me. You know, I'm only I grew up only about three hours south of there. Um oh. yeah, yeah. So Chesapeake, I, I know Chesapeake for sure. But um yeah. so what did what did your folks what did uh what did your folks do when you were growing up? Yeah. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom. God bless her, because <laughs> we had a, we were doing a lot as kids. Um yeah. and yeah. my dad was in the Navy, so that's why okay. we moved and kind right. of did all of that. Yeah. So it was definitely an adventure. <laughs> of course, of course. And um so let's um let's talk a little bit about um the your your siblings. So you're you're the middle, mm-hmm. you're the middle girl and two boys. Um <laughs> were were they were they kind to their middle sister? Um yes and no. We <laughs> I think Mostly, we went right. <laughs> I would say that like my little brother probably got the brunt of it, honestly, because he right. my older brother only about two years apart. So mm-hmm. we were a little closer in age. Um, and then yeah, Thomas, my younger brother, he 
yeah, his he's like four years younger than me or almost four years younger than me. So yeah. I feel like he got ganged up on a little bit as a kid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but my older brother actually went to Cal Poly too. So when we we were in college together for two years, and I think we mm. we got pretty close during that time. So that is yeah. awesome. You know, I talked to so many Mia, um, brother and sister combos, or you know that that um, siblings, a, a sibling com. Uh, yeah. And it's so awesome. I I think it speaks a lot to um to the power of Cal Poly. You know, it, it's like um because you know you think to yourself like, oh no, you wouldn't want to follow in in footsteps or whatever. But yeah, maybe that maybe that says that Cal Poly's doing something right because there's yes. a lot that follow in footsteps. Yep. And I toured Cal Poly with Matt when he was doing his initial tour, I think in like 2010 or 2009. Mm-hmm. And so I was like an eighth grader freshman and that was, wasn't even really on my mind. But I just remember when I went to go like do my own college chores, my mom was like, okay, where do you think you want to go? And we went all around California, but I was like, I need to go back to Cal Poly. And I applied early decision. So like I knew right off the bat after doing the tour and everything, I was like, yeah, this is where I want to go. So right. Right. what did did Matt major in? Um, He was initially a biochem major and then he transferred to do um, philosophy. So a little bit of, (laughs) yeah, that's a story in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it was probably, it's it's probably a similar story to mine. You know, I, I, Mm -hmm. I ran into this, uh, this, uh, uh, young lady that, um, didn't really like me too much named organic chemistry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, but uh yeah so that's cool wow biochem to philosophy that's quite a change there but uh <laughs> that's that's cool yeah. so tell us um tell us you know i like to talk about i like to give everybody the opportunity for the for the glory years you know mm-hmm. so first of all tell us like what your jam was right like what did you get into when you were when you were a kid and then tell us about one accomplishment pre-college that you're proud of Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So when I was growing up, my mom always jokes that I played like every single sport that I could because I just wanted to try everything, but Uh I'm, I'm pretty short, like in comparison to the average person. So I always struggled with like people that were my age. Like I played softball for a little bit and I really liked it. And I still like love baseball, watching it, everything to this day, but I um I was really struggling because everyone was growing and I was kind of like staying the same size. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I don't really have the power to like, you know, play a lot of these sports. And I always, the one consistent thing that I did was I danced from the time that I was like four. So I really wanted to do ballet when I was younger. And my mom was like, okay, you can you can do it. So when I was four, I was put in dance lessons and I kept doing that until like middle late high school I think my junior year was the last year that I danced but I also went to a high school that was how to focus on like arts um we didn't have a football team so kind of an interesting like high school experience there also um so yeah I would say like dance was always my constant I um started focusing on ballet as I got a little bit older um that was just something that was a part of my life up until I was like 17 so I love it Yeah. What's what's your glory days? What's your glory days accomplishment? Did you (laughs) did you win a dance off or anything like that? Or (laughs) no, I didn't compete. I I think because like ballet is a little bit less competition and more like for sure. Yeah. Um. I don't know. 
I feel like I'm trying to think of something. Yeah. I don't really have any like solid accomplishment, I guess. Oh, come on. I was just, like, come doing on. doing the same stuff. I feel like my high school years were very consistent and like there you go. There you go. Uh, which is a good thing, I guess. I think it is a good thing. Very, absolutely <laughs> a good thing. I love that. So yeah. so you've told us a little bit about how you found Cal Poly, and I think that's mm-hmm. really cool. But what what about the major though? Um, how did you I think that's always kind of a good story too, is like how did you how did you come upon our, our major? Yeah, it's funny because I do have an exact story that I can tell you about it actually. Um my so before my mom and um dad moved and started having kids and got married and all that mm-hmm. she actually used to work for like a company that did corporate marketing and she had kind of bounced around marketing and events and different roles in that arena so when it came time for me cuz obviously when you're applying to Cal Poly you have to declare a major we had the like big book of all of the different majors and like all of the different like the whole catalog uh-huh. from when Matt was like applying and going to college and stuff like that. So my mom like brought it out and she was like, just look through and like, see if any of these classes, like don't even pay attention to the major. Cause I had kind of been applying like under psych for a couple of colleges. I had applied under like business programs. I was kind of all over the place, but she was like, your Cal Poly major like matters because you have to declare it right off the bat. So make sure it's something that you would like, if you got in that you'd be interested in doing. And I was like, okay, So we were looking through it and she was like, man, this major looks so cool. Like, I wish that this existed when I was going to college because she went to Northridge. So she was like, oh, my gosh, these look like such fun classes. And I was like, you know what? They do like they look way more fun than business because I'm not really a math person. And I was like really worried that if I got in under business that I wouldn't do that well in the math classes. Right. Obviously, there's still still a little bit of that. And yeah, yeah. RPTA as it was called back then. But um, yeah, that's that's kind of how I found it and applied under that major. And there it was. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm like just picturing you, you guys like sitting around a fire and like flipping through the book, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a second, San Diego, there's no fire. <laughs> no, we, were, we were sitting on the couch, though, just looking at it. I remember it very vividly. Right, right. Love it. <laughs> uh, so, so now let's talk about your Cal Poly years and mm-hmm. and your time in San Luis Obispo. And everyone yeah. has their their own unique story about what college was like and and their their various experiences. Um, so, tell us first of all um, a an enduring memory, like something that when you look back, you're like, oh wow, I'll never forget that. Like, is there is there something that 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 happened while you were here that, that you, you know, you'll never forget. Oh my gosh. I think just like graduation. Yeah. That was like the most fun. I don't know. It was, I feel like being around everyone that you were like going to college with and the fact that you just get to be with all your friends and it's like kind of early in the morning. So everyone's like, okay, like let's get this done. And so we just had so much fun. There was like a ton of us um, girls from the major that were all in a group together and it was such a blast. So I think, I know that's probably kind of a cliche, but I just will never forget it. It was such a blast. 
I love that. I love that. So talk now let's talk about professional development. Now, Mm -hmm. I obviously know that you were, you were involved in lots of different things and, you know, Mm -hmm. I can, I can, uh, you know, pull up your LinkedIn and you have a really (laughs) great LinkedIn that's that you've been keeping for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, But tell us, tell us what, um, from a professional development standpoint, you know, we talk a lot about learn by doing. And one of the things that, that I think is, is really fabulous about that. You you know, I, I helped write the book um, on Learn by Doing while you were here um, mm-hmm. at Cal Bali. And um, one of the things one of my co-authors came up with um, this, that she said, um, Learn by Doing is a whole campus ethos, right? Mm-hmm. And so it like permeates throughout campus. And so no matter what you're doing, you're thinking about professional development. You're thinking about how that learn by doing applies. So yeah. tell us from a professional development standpoint, like what did you do? What did you get involved in where you look back and you think, oh, wow, that really helped to propel me into my career? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the cool things kind of like you were mentioning is that there's at Cal Poly is that there's always opportunities to like get an internship or do anything like that. And it's very common to like I remember and I feel like in high school people like some people are working, some people aren't. It's kind of a toss-up. But then I feel like at Cal Poly specifically, like people are always talking about what internships they're getting over the summer and not necessarily in a competitive way, I don't think, but I think it's just like encouraging that you're like, oh, okay, I'm surrounded by like-minded people. So I think that's like one of the biggest things that helps. <clears throat> um in that way. But I think for me specifically, I had always worked. So that was definitely something that I wanted to kind of start doing earlier on in college. My freshman year, I didn't, I've like needed to focus on, um, you know, figuring out how to be on the quarter system and <laughs> do all that stuff. All kinds of things. You're, you're yes. watching. <laughs> yeah, right. Not yeah. fail my classes. I also yeah. had like mono. I was like really sick for oh, a no. quarter. So, yeah. uh, that was kind of rough. But then my sophomore year, actually, I was I was in a sorority. I was in Sigma Kappa um, all four years of college. And a girl in my sorority who I actually just talked to like last week, which is um, funny, the timing of everything. But she had been working for like a financial planning company in Pismo. Um, and she posted, she was like, I'm graduating. Like, is anybody looking for an internship in marketing? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, I am. And I ended up working there for like two and a half years. So I was there from like the middle of my sophomore year. I did my like full-time internship with them. um, And I stayed there until I graduated. So that was a big, big thing for me. And as far as like learn by doing stuff was having that internship. I think it just helped me understand how to like work in a more corporate environment. So when I did, yeah, when I did graduate, I wasn't like slapped in the face. I died, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Picturing that Mia, you know, like, um, you know, I think that's such a great story to share too, because, um, you know, I, I do find occasionally we'll have students who are like just petrified of what they're gonna do with their full-time internship, you know, their their final yeah. internship, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, like really you should have been building towards that, right? And 
and I feel for them. I want to help them. And, and, and I know that everybody's different as yeah. far as how it goes, but that's definitely a model um, to find something your sophomore year and start working with them. And eventually you're like, Hey, can I do my internship with you? And it just keeps building from there. And it takes a lot of stress off of you. And you get that experience, like you said, even though I'm sure it was a pretty small office, mm-hmm. still a professional work environment. And yeah. a professional work environment is a professional work environment regardless, <laughs> right? Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah and, so that was that was a big thing for me, and I'm really grateful for that time. I love that. I love that. Well, shout out, um, shout out to that to those those fine folks that um, that that helps you along those lines. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to, to a name that I know is familiar to a lot of folks out there, and that's uh, George P. Johnson. And so yes. you ended up uh, you ended up getting um, an internship um, after graduation mm-hmm. with um, with George P. Johnson, and yep. that's obviously been one of our they've they've been one of our amazing partners over the years, and. Yes. Um, and so many, I, I end up, um, me, I end up inviting people onto the podcast and I know some people are like, oh, you, you just focus on George P. Johnson. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> it's just that we have so many that, um, I didn't even realize until after the fact yeah. when, when I was going through that you were George P. Johnson alone. Mm-hmm. And so tell mm-hmm. us about that experience and what that was like. Um, yeah. you started off with, um, uh, something uh, that that I'm sure no one is familiar with, uh, Dreamforce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I wonder how that I wonder how that ended up. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, tell us, about, uh, tell us about your George P. Johnson years. Oh my gosh, it was such a blast. I was actually just thinking about this before getting on the phone with you, like what I was going to say because I have so many positive things to say. First of all, I think that the best part about that internship, even if you don't stay full time, is that you're with like 80% Cal Poly grads and you know so many of them that you're just like, oh my gosh, this is, of course, it's really hard work, but you're also with people that you know and like a lot of times that you've already been friends with through college. So I just had honestly the best time. Um, Yeah, dr- going straight into Dreamforce, that year I remember specifically was like our internship started in like early July, like first week of July, right after 4th of July. And that year, Dreamforce was in September. So I think we had like three months. <laughs> wow. And yeah, I just remember like everyone was oh, sitting yeah. down, everyone who was working on the Salesforce account, like leading up to Dreamforce. We were all like, oh my gosh, how is this going to go? Like we just graduated. A lot of us, this is our first like big corporate job. So yeah, it was definitely a lot of hard work, a lot of long days. Um but it it teaches you so much. And I still like when people message me on LinkedIn and are like, how do I get into, you know, doing XYZ or like working at a tech company or whatever? I'm like, literally go work for an agency. It doesn't necessarily have to be GPJ, I don't think. Like I think at any agency that you're at, you learn you're doing so much, especially when you're in like an operational role where you're not focused on one thing, which is what I did. Mm-hmm. Um you just get so much experience in such a short amount of time. So that was like the big, the big thing for me. <clears throat> yeah, I bet. Cause you know, when I was looking over your, um, your materials, um, event services specialist intern was what your title was. Yes. Like basically that's like 
doing a little bit of everything. Is that yep. what it is? Yes. Yeah. Cause yeah. some people, like I had friends that were doing like registration That's or registration, they, right? Yeah. yeah. Very, like very, very specific roles, which are really awesome too, because at every company they need people like that, obviously. So if that's what you end up getting into and you love it, then awesome. But I think for me, like I was just really grateful. And after my internship, I got hired on full time um, and I was there for a year and a half. And I think the cool thing about being in a generalized like operations role like that was that I did get to do a little bit of everything. And you work with a lot of different client teams too. So I got to meet a lot of people at Salesforce and like had, you know, clients that I worked really closely with um, on the like general events teams that got to know me really well. And yeah. that was just like such a cool experience. And, and correct me if I'm I'm wrong, Mia, but but what, one of the things that I've always um, tried to to counsel students or or, or young professionals with is that these mm-hmm. these agency positions like George George P Johnson or even like in my area of sport management, like yeah, you know if you're if you're working for um you, you know the Lakers, there's mm-hmm. lots of different accounts, there's lots of different sponsorships, and and there's lots of partnerships that are involved, and so showing how good you are at your job to all of those folks mm-hmm. helps to build those connections. Is that right? Yes, a hundred percent. And I think that was really important for me, at least when like COVID hit, um, obviously, as you can imagine, everyone was doing layoffs, especially in events. So um, that's one thing that, you know, I was affected by and I think that that's when I was like so grateful to have met so many different people at other companies, but especially at Salesforce, because I had a couple of different clients that I had been working with for basically two years at that point uh, who really knew me and who could really, really speak to, you know, my strengths and, um, you know, provide referrals and things like that. So that ended up being huge for me. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. And so you ended up um, at, at Salesforce. Um, so yeah. we're, we're gonna let's talk. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, the the. Um, d- did you leave and then came back? Um, like I did. <laughs> with wait, weights and um, and you know I have to get this out of the way. I have to get. Th- have you have you seen the um, the Nate Bergetzi weights and measures skit? No. <laughs> oh, okay. So when we, when, watch we it. when we get off, you've got to on on YouTube, um, look up SNL Nate Bergetzi, or you can just type in Nate and then yeah. weights weights and measures. Okay, it's the funniest SNL skit I have ever seen. And so when I was preparing for this interview, I saw weights and biases, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have like, to say yeah. something. <laughs> about that. But um, so so you you um. You were you were hired um, for sales um, with Salesforce as a project mm-hmm. manager, and then you you moved up to senior project manager, and mm-hmm. you spent two years there, and then you left um, and became a field marketing um, manager and coordinator for weights and biases. Mm-hmm. And you've recently, this past <laughs> fall, come back to to Salesforce. So yeah. tell us a little bit about about that because I think a lot of people would be interested. Yeah. In, um, in, in that, that whole thing, um, you know, that, that, those transitions and what that was like and, and, and all of that. 
Yes, of course. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, obviously, middle of COVID, a lot of events were canceled and not happening. So I was initially furloughed at GPJ and then laid off, I think, in like June or July, like middle of the summer. Um, And I had moved back to San Diego at that point. I was living in San Francisco at the time in 2020. And then I was like, I'm just going to move home. And it actually took me like six months, I think, to find a job. So it was kind of a rough time for me because I was interviewing so much and there were so many things that I was like really excited about and jobs that I didn't get. And I was like, dang, this really sucks. And so I, at that point, I was kind of open to anything. And one of my friends had referred me to, she was like, just talk to this guy. I know he works at um, Insight Global and they help, you know, place people in, they have full-time and contract roles. So I just got on the phone with them and I was like, Hey, you know, I've been out of work for basically like five, six months at this point. And this is my experience. Like I'm willing, I have two years under my belt, but I'm willing to kind of like start at the bottom, um, if needed. And so he was like, Oh, I actually have this role. Um, let me like send it to you and you can let me know if you're interested. So I ended up, this was the role on the research team and my boss at the time, I ended up getting on a call with her, um, to interview. And I got a call later that day. Like it was one interview and they were like, okay, you got the job. And I will just remember being like, oh my gosh, like when things are meant to happen, they just happen so quickly. Right. And I was like, okay, like, yes. I'm going to do this. And I didn't care that it was contract because I was like, I just need a job. And and that's like such a good way to get your foot in the door too, especially when you're younger and you don't necessarily need your own health insurance. (laughs) There's so many benefits of doing that. So um, that was kind of like what happened initially with my role going into Salesforce. And so I did, I was on that, I did the project management role for two years, but a lot of these larger tech companies have rules around contractors and how long you can stay. So two years is the max, I think, at a lot of these larger tech companies. So my two year was rolling around and that was when Salesforce was going through a lot of the like hiring freezes and stuff like that that were happening um, last, well, I guess, yeah, like basically last year, December of 2022. And so my boss was so, so kind, like pretty early on to let me know, hey, we're probably not going to be able to convert you. Like as much as I would want to, um, I would start, you know, looking for your next role. And so I was like, okay, got to do this again. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. So um, I was really grateful that she gave me like a couple months heads up, just like based off of the trends that she saw with contractors and conversions and all that stuff. So Um, I started interviewing and applying and we actually were working with, um, this company called weights and biases. Yeah. I was going to say, I bet you there was a connection there. Yes. Yeah. Uh So they were a machine, they are a machine learning, um, platform. And so obviously with, you know, the big AI, um, trend recently, (laughs) we, we were using them on our team and I had been working with one of their account execs to, you know, get everything set up and, Mm-hmm. Uh, go through all of the like security reviews and everything. So we had worked together for like six months at that point. And I I told them, I was like, hey, I um am not going to be here come December. We're, you know, not sure who's going to be replacing me or whatnot, what that will look like, but I'll keep you guys in the loop so that you don't lose 
any of our like connection. And the two people that I was working with at the time were like, oh, we're going to be so sad to see you go. Like, please let us know if we can do anything. So I ended up seeing a role on their website because I was like, oh, I'll just look, check it out. Um, As a matter of fact, I will. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were hiring for um, a field marketing coordinator. And so I was like, actually, would you mind referring me? And so one of the guys that I was working with, he referred me and it was the same thing. Like I had three interviews in a week and it was my like second to last week at Salesforce actually. And I was at a conference that Salesforce was sponsoring and Weights and Biases was sponsoring. And uh-huh. I got the job that week. So I was in New Orleans, nice. like got to meet some of my new coworkers and that's it was awesome. so funny. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I ended up there. <laughs> right. Toast each other with a hurricane or a, or a beignet, right? Yep. <laughs> there you go. Or both. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, that is cool. I love that. So let's, um, uh, so now let's, let's get to, to, to the, to your current position. So you mm-hmm. ended up coming back to Salesforce and uh, as the associate program manager for yeah. uh, Salesforce's AI research. And, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is so exciting um, in talking with you is what we talked about earlier, right? Those two letters have just uh, exploded onto the scene. And, um, you know, everyone is is talking about it and everyone's trying to figure out like, um, you know, will will the bots uh, one day control us? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it's it's an exciting time, I think, um, uh, to 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 be involved in this type of research in particular. Yeah. And, um, you know, you I, I don't even know whether Mia, did you take our analytics course where you um, were you, I think so. Like the Excel, all, I think, yeah, no, we've actually, oh, um, you're that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's close. That's very Shocking. close. That, that's a, that's <laughs> that, shows, that shows how advanced you are, right? Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, everyone calls it the Excel class, our assessment and evaluation. Uh-huh. We now have, a. um, we were probably experimenting it with it when you were here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think about the, the timeline. Um, n- now every student um, in in the major has to take an um, a data analytics course. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and um, and Dr. Lin was was really instrumental in in getting that on the books for us. And and he taught a couple experimental courses. I think maybe when yeah. you were were here, but now everyone has to take one. And so obviously analytics is is not. AI, it's, <laughs> but it's but it's integrated. It's it's, it's uh huh. So so tell us what's your when you're um when you pull up to someone in a bar at a bar or um <laughs> or you know at a music festival or whatever and you tell uh-huh. them what you do. What's your like thirty second elevator pitch for what you do with AI research? <laughs> That's a great <laughs> question. Um. So yeah, I mean, as a program manager. And on the team, it's it's funny because you can do program or project management for just about anything. So typically, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't lead with like, oh, I'm on an AI research team. I usually say, oh, I'm I'm a program manager at Salesforce. That's like the easiest thing that I can say. And if somebody wants to ask me more about it, I will obviously tell them. I'm not gonna like hide it, but. Um, yeah, usually people will then go, oh, well, what do you do? Like, what team are you on? And I'll say, 
the AI research team and they're like, that's interesting. What does the program manager do on the AI research team? (laughs) Yeah. I'm usually like, don't, I'm not doing, I'm not doing the research. Like I'm not a researcher because everybody that I work with, like all the researchers and leadership on our team, they have PhDs, like they are absolute geniuses. And I have so much respect for them because there's so much that I don't understand, even though I've worked on the team for collectively like a little over two years now. So, um, right. yeah, I would say as a in-program management, I usually tell people that on any team that's like, you know, doing a specific type of research or doing anything in particular for a business, um, they're always going, I think, especially in tech, there are always going to be things like operational things that need to get done that aren't necessarily getting done by the people who are focusing on a specific aspect of um, either research or getting something done for the company. So I usually just say like we have people that are on the research team that are doing the actual artificial intelligence research or who are focusing on things much more technical than what I'm focused on. Um, and what my team does, our operations team does is really focus on how do we make the team run more efficiently? How are we, um, keeping our budget every year? You know, what are we putting our money towards? And that can look like things like swag for the team, like fun things like that all the way to buying, um, you know, all the things that the researchers, like any type of technology that the researchers need to get their stuff done. Um, so it's a lot of like procurement. Um, I help do, we do a lot of like internal events. So I'll help with stuff like that sometimes. Mm. Um, I'm remote. So we have people that are like actually in Palo Alto that do a lot of like the on, on site stuff, but I do what I can from, um, Orange County. And then we also have, in research, we do a lot of um, publications. So we have people that are constantly writing papers on their research. And one of the biggest goals for a lot of these research labs is to get published to a lot of different um, conferences and things like that. So there are conferences that we attend um, to try to you know, recruit new people. So we have um, an internship program, things like that. So I, you know, help plan a lot of those conference sponsorships if we do them and yeah, work with our recruiting teams. It's just a lot of like random things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, one of the things that as you're talking, I'm like, it's like, um, it's like Mia's the, uh, gave me the, the poster, uh, explanation for why we have, um, the in, interpreting experience industry data analytics mm-hmm. analytics class because one of the things we tell our students is like you don't have to be the one to crunch the numbers right like you're not wow. the one you're not the scientist uh, designing the AI technology mm-hmm. but you're the program manager helping it all work and helping it all connect to the day to day. And that's a huge element. And that's a, that's a huge element that's not going away. Right. You know, that, that, um, there has to be someone to make those connections and to be able to make these teams work. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I love that. That's so great. Really cool to hear. And, and so now I don't have to ask you about your day to day either, because you (laughs) just, you just covered that. I love it. Mm -hmm. So tell us about, um, 
let's let's get into a little bit of the work life balance thing, you know. So you're you're an events team. You're still there's still an events element to what you're doing, right? And um, a lot of times, program managers have to almost feel like they're on call day and night. Um, mm-hmm. So even though you're working remotely. How do you balance? Uh, how do you how do you balance? What what do you do in your life to to find balance? What's your what's your jam there? Such a good question, and I feel like every year it changes a little bit as yeah. I grow in my career. I think you learn more and more what works for you and what doesn't. Because right. I do remember like being at GPJ when I was in an office full time, so that's also shifted a lot. Like being remote changes things. Um, But yeah, like when I was in the office, I just remember struggling so much. And I was 22 to 24 when I was doing that job. So I was younger. I had a little bit more energy. But I also remember like when it would get dark at 4.30, I would be in the office. I wouldn't get home until like 6 or 6.30 because I had like a 45-minute commute. I was taking the bus every day. So there are all these factors for me that made it so hard to feel like I was on top of the normal things that I was used to doing in college, especially like we had an amazing gym at Cal Poly. There were things, rhythms in my life that were very normal. And then when I started working, we're like, oh, okay, (laughs) got to change that, shift it around, figure out what works. So I just remember like feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get this down. I can't figure out how to like have have a life anymore. Right. And it was totally, I mean, obviously like work plays a factor into that, but it's, it was also me just being kind of young and a little bit naive, honestly, to like, okay, well, if you really try, you can, you can make it work. So I think when I became remote, there's different challenges that come with being remote. Obviously like working in your own space can be hard because you can feel like, oh, I'm just, you know, sitting at my desk in my house all day. And especially like I just moved to Orange County and I'm in my own place now. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I just sit here and work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but there's also, I moved to Orange County partially because we have an office in Irvine. So I've been going in like twice a week, which honestly really helps kind of like break up the week for me. Um, I do love certain parts about being remote, but it is hard. And I sure, I'm sure if anybody else is like listening that is fully remote, they can relate to like not having your day broken up in any way. Um, but for me, like one of the things that I've gotten more into as I've gotten older is having more of a routine with like the gym, um, especially like living by myself, like cooking and trying to like prep my week really well early on has been huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just thinking about that earlier cause I had a couple of meetings this morning and uh-huh. I like made breakfast, but then I have lunch prepped for the whole week. So I was able to like quickly eat something <laughs> like it's not to take too much Aye. time. So it looks different for everybody, but I think for me, like doing work on the front end, like on Sunday evening to like really prepare myself for the week ahead has really, really helped. Aye. Cause then if I want to do something after work and I'm like, oh, well, I need to factor in time to cook dinner or whatever. But if I already have that done, then like I can give myself a little bit of wiggle room. So um, setting those like rhythms and routines have been really, really important. And if no one has read the book Atomic Habits, that was a big. Oh, yeah, that's one of yours. Okay, yeah. I've heard people people recommend that one. Yeah. Yes, it's such a good book, especially if you like struggle with setting a routine and keeping it for a long time. Cause I feel like I was always one of those like new year's resolutions girls who was like all of January, I was really on top of it. Mm-hmm. And then I would kind of like fall off the wagon, but I, I do feel like if you can find something that works for you and stick to it, 
um, that has been really helpful for me. Well, I'll, I will put that book on my uh, January uh, New Year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Never get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love it. That's uh, that's so great. So, um, what about travel? Do you? Um, I, I know with um, with the AI research, Singapore. Uh, Singapore was coming up, I guess, as one of Singapore government as one of the clients. Um, oh yes, we have traveled to Singapore. No, I didn't get to go. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, unfortunately, which is uh, some place that I would love to go someday because I've heard incredible things. Um, but when I mean when I was on the team before, from like 2020 to 2022. I traveled a few times like to San Francisco for certain things. And then um, we had a conference in New Orleans um, once. But so I did a little bit of travel previously when I was on the team, but it was still kind of like COVID times. So it wasn't as coming out. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of pulling back on, you know, unnecessary or like if it wasn't, you know, business critical. Yeah. Um, but then when I went, it's funny because when I when I moved over into my role um, in field marketing at WNB, I was traveling so much, and that was really really hard for me because I did travel when I worked at GPJ, but not as much as the average person who's not on like one account. So I was fully sold to the Salesforce account when I worked there. And so, and I lived in San Francisco and pretty much all of their events are in SF. So I was, I would only travel occasionally if I needed to support another program during like a downtime, um, like in between Dreamforce or another event or whatever. So I had never really done that to that extreme before. And that was, that really tested my ability to like maintain normalcy. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, that that whole habit thing and routine gets thrown off quite a bit with travel. Oh, thrown out the window. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, you know, post um post COVID, I, I still haven't really traveled for a conference. I mean, I've done some travel, but not really professional travel yet. And I've got my first one coming up in February and um, I'm kind of excited about it, but, um, yeah. but it's really funny. I mean, how we're sometimes, you know, when I'm on the back end of my career, so I don't have to travel as much. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I, I would choose not to, if I yeah. had to choose, Yeah, uh, you know, but, um, but yeah, it's an, that's interesting. So let's talk a little bit about um, opportunities and challenges that you see for the future, you know, um, in your role as a program manager or someone who is in project management, I think is also that that applies to them as well. Mm-hmm. What do you see? And particularly, I think you're probably more uh, more attuned to being able to answer this question than most. What do you see as the? Um, we'll start with the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see as the challenges and um, those two letters that uh, that we've talked about extensively? I think probably come in here a little bit. But um, do you see uh, do you see any challenges for for project and program management moving forward that um, that you think we'll 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 have to address? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm um, probably more optimistic than a lot of people would say, just as far as like, people are always like, oh, well, do you think that a lot of the like basic things that you have to do in your role or whatever will be taken over by AI? And I'm like, honestly, not really, because 
I, in my opinion, I think nothing really replaces the human aspect of working. And I think like you can see that with so many companies who were, um, you know, remote during COVID and are now like, okay, we want people to come back into the office and things like that. That's probably kind of a dumb example, but I think it just shows you that like having the interpersonal connections that you get from working um, with your colleagues and, you know, seeing the same people on your team all the time. I think that that's just not really something that technology can replace, in my opinion. I, I'm i more optimistic in the sense that I think AI is going to make us more productive. And there are things that it helps me with <laughs> yeah. in my job. Um, I've I was going to say, like, what are you, yeah. what has it done for you personally? <laughs> How has it, you know, I, I heard someone say that um, it's like everyone is going to have their own personal assistant. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, being a Star Wars fan, I, I joked about C-3PO earlier. I don't know if you caught that joke, but uh, mm-hmm. that that's kind of how I view it. Do you see that yeah. too? I mean, do you look at it that way? Yeah, and I, I think definitely, I think it just depends on like to the level that everybody is utilizing it because there's a point, like I was working at a startup that is focused on helping people that are, you know, training models to use for artificial intelligence. Um, yeah. And even then I was like, I don't really need to use chat GPT. Like I was like, I can kind of like write my own, like I just hadn't really tried it. So that was a little bit naive of me to probably be saying that. But I think also I was just like, oh, like I don't need to use this. Like it's fine. And then I started using it and I was like, oh my gosh, actually like this helps me in my personal life too (laughs) and my professional life. Um, Because I will get stuck. Like one thing about me that's kind of funny is that I will get stuck on like the most simple emails sometimes I hear you. Where I'm like, am I, do I sound too overexcited? And this is probably like something that I think a lot of women can relate to, especially, but I, for a while early on in my career, I was always like the girl that would use like exclamation points and smiley faces and stuff like that. And then it's funny. Cause when I started working um, on the research team, my boss was like, it's like great. Like you should obviously have your own like work personality, but at the same time, um, don't get offended if like not everybody, like if somebody isn't emailing that way, then it's, it has nothing to do with you. And I think I was always like, oh my gosh, is this person mad at me? Like I was just young and like new in my career, you know? So that was something that I always really was like going back and forth on. And so one thing that chat GPT has really helped me with is like making my emails more succinct. Um, if I can say like, these are the biggest points that I want to hit, especially if I'm like emailing people who are leaders who probably don't have as much time. Um, it's really important in my role to just like kind of hit all the points, make the ask and then shoot it off. So that's something that I think like AI has really helped me with. Right. Well, people who are listening to this, who have received an email from Dr. Greenwood before are thinking to themselves, wow, Mia is really, really trying to dig on Greenwood. (laughs) He is the most long-winded, verbose. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Mia. But yeah, I could use, I could use some succinct. I was like, I've got to, you know, as a professor, it's like you build up Mm -hmm. over time. You build up this mentality of, I want to answer every question, right? 
Yep. And um, that possibly could come up. And so I'll overload them with all the information possible. Right. And so my email's like three pages long, you know. <laughs> That's how I used to be because I was like, I need to give everybody all the information fully up front. And it's like, well, depending on the situation or who, it's obviously like audience based too, right? So uh-huh. I think if exactly. it's like a colleague of mine who I'm like, okay, they're probably not going to get mad at me if I send them this long email. But definitely, like when I started working with more um, leaders on the team, yeah. it was one thing that was like coached yeah. with me, yeah. with my manager. She was like, this will really help you. I think. Okay. I, I love that. <laughs> Well, well, I remember, I remember Mia when I first, uh, the first time I got uh, TL uh, semicolon DR, mm-hmm. I, I got that via text once from one of my buddies, and I was like, <laughs> "What? What the hell is this?" And I like type it in the Google. <laughs> too long, like, didn't read. Too long, didn't <laughs> read. And I'm like, and it was like, and then I look back at the text that I had just sent, and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, one of those that has the dot 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 on it. You know, it was like. Yes. I was like, you sucker too it's long. It's funny because I have to use that when we, when I um like write blog posts and stuff for some uh, of these conferences that we go to, uh, I'll ask a lot of the researchers, like, please send me a TLDR for your paper because hmm. I don't need a whole paragraph of like what it's about. And obviously if you're really passionate about the work you're doing, you could go on and on and on. So I'm like TLDR, like one to two sentences max. <laughs> <laughs> so now everyone knows they're like, okay, yep. <laughs> oh, everyone knows that. That's great. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so great. Yes. So That's let's talk about um what advice you would give um to um you know those uh those young up- upcoming uh students who we who are current or students who are uh prospective students or mm-hmm. young professionals. What advice would you give to folks um who are interested in project management or program management or, or interested in getting into the corporate event space. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you give to them? Oh my gosh. I could probably go on and on about this just because I feel like I've kind of been through it with my own career. Um, I feel like I was always under the camp that, especially when I was starting out my career, that I thought I had to stay in one place for like 10 years in order to get to where I wanted to be. And, um, I think now I know that that's not necessarily the case. So I would say that if you have kind of an end goal in mind, don't get so caught up in like how you get there because you will one day. And I think that was like just a moment that I had even a couple of months ago when I got my full-time offer, um, for my current role at Salesforce, I was just like, oh my gosh, I remember being like in my very early 20s, like probably before I even went and worked at GPJ being like, that is such a dream company for me. And I always thought like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, stay at George P. Johnson until I'm an event manager. And then that will be like six years into my career. And then maybe I'll like go and work internally at Salesforce on their events team. And a lot of people do that thing with agencies where they'll like start their career there. They go into um, another tech company or one of the client side companies and they'll go back. So I always kind of thought that that would be like how my journey went. And I didn't ever think I would be in program management, but now that I am, I'm like, this is so fun. It's like the perfect combination of everything that I like to do and some things that are challenging for me. So I think the biggest piece of advice I 
offer to people when they ask me to, like I get people that message me about what they think, like, oh, should I, you know, go this route or this route? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it really, it really doesn't matter. Like the first few years, I feel like of your career are foundational in the sense that you're learning about yourself and your working style and how to communicate with people. And you do get a lot of um, experience and information that way, but that's not necessarily going to be like where you stay or what is going to like push you towards one career or another. Like you can change careers at any time. Every experience that you have is just going to be a building block to get you to where you want to go. Love so, it. Yeah. What great what great advice. And um, you know, I I I look at it and I, I go back through and 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 look at your your progression and 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 what you've done. And obviously you've worked so for a couple of like obviously really impressive company company with George P Johnson and and now Salesforce and you know even though I didn't know weights and biases I looked them <laughs> up and I'm like oh wow that's an impressive company as well mm-hmm. and um you know I think it's such valuable advice that you just gave what about uh what about to your uh what advice would you give to your if you could time travel to junior year <laughs> what advice would you give to junior year Mia Oh my gosh, I'd probably just tell her that um, everything she's worried about doesn't matter <laughs> and uh, that it all turns out just fine. There you go. I think that there's just so, there's always so much anxiety like going into senior year, especially with like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for my internship? Like, where am I going to be when I'm 25 and all this, you know, all the, all the stuff that mm-hmm. I feel like anyone with normal fear about the future would have. Um and that was definitely me. So I think I would just tell myself that just go with the flow. There's going to be hard times, but it, it works out in the end. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, my my mom and I always joke with each other. She's like, stop worrying, honey. And I go, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, maybe if you hadn't passed on the worry gene, yeah. worry wart, maybe I wouldn't be worrying, but I can't stop because of what? you. Yes, literally one thing I've learned too, like last thing that I'll say about this is that, um, I think our fears are all like, we are always imagining the worst case scenario and that typically tends to never happen. So I think if you had told me when I was my junior year in college that, oh, in three years, you're going to get laid off. I would have been like, oh my gosh, right? no, like that sounds so scary. And it was, it was really hard, but It's it taught me so much about like how companies work and when times do get hard like it doesn't matter how hard you've worked sometimes things just happen and it has nothing to do with you. And I'm so thankful to have learned lessons like that very early on in my career because I think it helps me now like put things into perspective. Um so yeah. That's the last thing I'll say. <laughs> I love that because, you know, there's things that are out of our control, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we can't control a global pandemic hitting, right? Um. And, and uh, <laughs> if we if we sit around worrying about it, we're going to give ourselves an ulcer or we're going to, you know, yes. end, up, end up in the hospital or in, a, you know, uh, uh, you know, and so it's, 
Yeah, it's good. Super good advice. You gave me some good advice, Mia. I'm going to stop worrying now. And I'm going to say... Not uh, that easy. I still worry, but... <laughs> no, I know. I know. Uh, and uh, But I, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing with us today. And and we're so we're so proud of you and, and, um, and really appreciate you taking the time to pay it forward and give back. And, um, and so just, just thank, can't thank you enough for coming on today and sharing your inside. And it's so great to see you. Great to do it. I know you too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Great to see you. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye.